You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. All right, lads, how's it going? It's so hot. I can't take it. <laughs> what, uh, what kind of degrees are we looking at there? Wolf, you wouldn't believe it. We're well into the low twenties over here. <laughs> it's terrible. Spring has sprung, but summer has some. Summer has some. sizzled. I'll give you the live update. Apparently, it's eighteen Celsius right now. So, yeah, nothing to complain oh about. It's literally, literally double that here. Ah, uh, yeah, but you're used to it. I am. I am. I actually was saying, I was saying earlier that it actually doesn't feel that hot today. In fairness, I am inside with the air conditioning, but anyway. Uh, we have a risk of thunderstorms here as well, so that's exciting. Nice. That's pretty uncommon in Ireland. Yeah, it's kind of, it happened last weekend as well. It was quite hot, and then there were like thunder showers the whole time. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, I was trying to think of some kind of good segue between thunder showers into M20, but I can't do it. So well, how about it? Uh, it's like it's like a brainstorm oh. is coming. Ah, oh, you did it. Okay, I'll just cut out what I said and leave, leave what you said. Um, so yeah, we have uh, the full M20 preview. We have the whole the whole set available to us for our perusal. Uh, it came on really, really fast this time. It was like it was like a Wednesday or something, and the whole set was just there. I was like, "What's going on? Isn't it? Isn't it usually on a Friday? What's happening?" It's usually the week before the pre-release, and the pre-release is still a while away, right? Well, the pre-release. It's a week away now, right? From, from from this weekend. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, if, if, if the spoilers are wrapped up uh, on Friday, it would be in the same as usual. I think they're wrapping up two days beforehand. Yeah. It just made the whole spoiler season, I guess you got it, the whole spoiler um, period of time just feel very, very, very condensed. Yeah. She felt like they couldn't keep up with uh, the, the rate of cards coming in. And there are a lot of cards in here, so we're going to kick off straight away, I think. Um... We'll start with two of the cards that we didn't talk about from the... We'll, we'll finish off the Mythics today, so which means we'll look at two of the cards that we didn't talk about last week. So I guess we'll uh, start with uh, Vivian, Archbow Ranger. So she's a Planeswalker. One green, green, green. So three three green in the casting cost there. Pretty difficult. And she's four loyalty. And she has a plus one. Distribute two plus one plus one counters among up to two target creatures. They gain trample until end of turn. She has a minus three. Target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker. And then a minus five, you may choose a creature card you own from outside the game, reveal it, and put it into your hand. Seems good to me. Yeah, it seems good to me. I was a little underwhelmed by this card at first, and the more I looked at it, I was just like, no, it's basically just like perfect on rate for standard. It's just going to see a lot of play. You you just get your money's worth for uh, for four mana. Like... If you consider it like compared to like the white Ajani, like the Ajani plus was great in kind of white Winnie decks, putting two counters, but you had to put it on two different creatures. Whereas this card, you only need one creature in play and you can put both counters on it, which is, is like makes it less narrow. And that ability was great before. And this one I think is even better. And then in these green decks, like when you're playing, you know, Paradise Druids and stuff like that you're often going to be able to kill like a decent creature with the minus the turn it comes down on turn four or, or turn three like you can play it on turn three off a of paradise druid and then kill you know their two drop or whatever um and that puts you like really far ahead the ultimate i'm not too sure about for standard like 
how many kind of silver bullet sideboard creatures really are there at the moment. I'm not sure if I really see that so much. So so the mine at the minus five doesn't seem all that good to me in standard, but the other two abilities seem great. Yeah, I feel like um sorry, I'll say that lies here and I felt like I was unrolled by this at first, but uh yeah, I, I think the two things to notice I think the two things that I I probably glance over what I saw first was that yeah, you can put two counters on one creature if, if that's what you think you can do. And also that the the minus three is a is a, it's a Oh, it's a, a punch rather than a fight. And then, yeah, you, know, you basically, it also kind of helps yeah, your creature get through to the things walker if you need it. So I can see those two abilities being useful in a lot of different situations. Um, but I'm kind of skeptic about the minus five, um, but, but also because it's going to, I feel like it's going to force you to use, it's, it's like you're, you're going to be, you're kind of giving up your side. If, if you have, have a wishboard kind of plan, you're, you're giving up your sideboard. You're making your sideboard weaker, very powerful like a Karn. Um, and it's a very powerful uh, sideboard artifacts like you would say, like in, in the modern Tron deck. Here it's like you're not even arriving. You're gonna have access to your wish board. So making a wish board when you have this in your deck, or are you just gonna keep a normal sideboard? Um, I, think I think you'll just have a normal sideboard. But like a lot of green decks do have creatures in their sideboard. Like you know, people would have played Vine Mare in their sideboard a lot during the last standard season and stuff. So if you're gonna do that anyway, then that kind of fits in with this ability, and it's kind of just like a nice little bonus. Or like the new cycle of protection creatures are going to be pretty standard staple sideboard cards anyway. So those kind of work well with this ability without having to distort how you would build your sideboard. Yeah, yeah that, that's true. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Trash and Ronto on is one of six at Whitehead as, as uh, uh, your sideboard and um, that, that does a lot. Yeah, that's um, a great one, sure. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, it's, it's the, the, the mana cost is also making me think, it's very, very, very tense mana cost. I don't know if you're playing this in a tree cover deck or you can't really reliably get a damage turn four or turn three for playing in a tree cover deck. Yeah, so this card does cost one green, green, green for anyone who's not familiar with it. Um, so yeah, quite restrictive on the mana cost. You're going to have to be definitely a heavy green deck. So it looks like it goes the best in gruel or green black to me would be the two my two first guesses. Yeah, it also seems good in like a green blue deck. Um, like there's the whole counters theme from Simic, and we have stuff like um, like Roalesque that was never used from uh, Ravnica Allegiance or War of the Spark. I don't remember which one it was from um and yeah i don't know i i think thinking about other colors having other colors of uh of creature in your sideboard kind of starts to open this up a little bit like what if you have what if you have a ravenous chupacabra in your sideboard what if you have um what's the thing called tokatli honor guard like these hate cards that you just can't play main deck or like well ravenous chupacabra obviously you can play main deck but it's kind of not that good now because of the amount of planeswalkers running around. But the odd time where you where you find a matchup like that, you'd be very happy to go and get it. Um, and her minus three ability as well, like Al, you mentioned, it it clears the way for for your creatures to get through and block a planeswalker. You can also just directly kill the kill the planeswalker. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Like I said, you can get over a big board, which we're seeing a lot in this in this format. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'll be uh, I'll be excited to stick Vivian into some of my decks. I, I don't I don't know if the like the mana cost is restrictive, but we also have all these uh the Cavaliers which have similar mana costs. So and you know, if you look at things like Bolus, like Bolus is a very restrictive mana cost, but it still gets played a fair bit. So I think and the mana in standard is about to be even better with temples. So I I think it's actually okay now. And then of course if you're playing green then you're more more than likely playing Lanowar Elves Paradise Druid. So you could be okay. Yeah, I think that's the main thing. Like, I think, um, I mean, Bolas being five rather than four 
does kind of make it easier in a way. You know what I mean? If you're playing all dual lands, it's kind of more likely when you have five lands out, then you'll have all your colors than when you have four lands out. Yeah. I would think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're you're definitely right. And the temples, well, like the mana is going to be better for a short time in standard for un- until rotation, and then it's going to be even worse. I think. Yeah. Well. Yeah. The check lands are going to rotate out, and they're going. I presume they're going to finish off the scry lands, or maybe they're they're going to have some other lands in the fall set. Uh. So it won't it won't get that much worse, I assume. Uh. But certainly, untapped sources will be worse. Yeah. Um. But that makes it that gives you even more incentive to play higher numbers of Llanowar Elves and stuff. Although, actually, no, Llanowar Elves will be gone with rotation as well, so. Oh, yeah, that's so sad. I loved having Llanowar Elves in Standard, and it was so not busted or overpowered at all. It was just great. Yeah, it actually was really good. Maybe they'll reprint it? No, probably not. <laughs> I think they could. I hope they do. I mean, it's um, it's specific to Dominaria, though, right? Well, they can print... El- they could print Elvish Mystic. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like yeah, if they yeah, were sure. reprinted, this would be the sense to do it, but... Yeah. Also losing, well, assume, yeah. They, we, may, we may also lose Shock and Lightning Strike... They didn't do like either a reprint. Shock is in this set, right? Shock's in M20. In this set, okay. Yeah, okay, that's good. But no lightning strike. Yeah. Uh, I've I've had enough of lightning strike anyway. (laughs) Well, lightning strike is in standard, not from Ixalan, right? Oh, yeah. It's in. uh, No, I think it is. M19. M19. Oh. So both. Okay. So yeah, that's it's the same for Llanowar Elves. Llanowar Elves is in M19 and Ixalan. So it's in Dominaria. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, Dominaria and and M nineteen. So yeah, same situation for both. Um. Anyway, yeah, interesting card. We will see how the mana shakes out. But for now, I think she's powerful. I I think even even having like there's certain cards like Hydroid Crisis comes to mind that are big creatures that you want in the end game, but you could potentially not play all four copies in your main deck. You could play something like three copies. And then have one extra copy in the sideboard. And then if you have four copies of Vivian, you have like a virtual seven copies of Crisis. Yeah, but like since Crisis usually draws more Crisises, I feel like you just always want to maximize the amount in your main deck. So you draw a second one off your first one. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. But I can see that. Yeah, and definitely, I, I don't know. The card just seems very good. Yeah. Carnage Tyrant also comes to mind. All right, well, we'll move on to the other one that we missed out last week or not missed out but just wasn't wasn't previewed at the at the time so it's the the final cavalier uh from the cycle so this is the blue one cavalier of gales so the mana cost is two blue 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 so again five mana it's a five five elemental knight still Uh, it has flying who would have guessed and when it enters the battlefield draw three cards then put two cards from your hand on top of your library in any order and when it dies, shuffle it into its owner's library and then scry two. Is this good? I can't tell. It's a five five uh, flyer for five. Yeah, apart from that, I don't think it is because, like, yeah, obviously brainstorms a lot. We really don't have a shuffle effect, but also because it's five mana. If you're doing this in turn five, and um, you're using all your mana, you're you're drawing cards, putting cards back on top. So we have you can't use them on that turn. So it'll only be the next turn uh, where you're drawing the second card. So you're getting it, it. Obviously, yeah, it is card advantage, but it's not a not very very. It's not very powerful. I mean, when it dies, you get to shuffle it, so it, it is a shuffle effect itself. Yeah, just uh, go past this and dismember. Uh, Vivian, take up Vivian, take up the flashes in, dismember it. Uh, that's a uh, brainstorm in modern. What do you need to take up Vivian in this scenario? I'm sorry, to get this instant speed. Uh, oh, the three mana Vivian. I think you meant yeah, the new yeah. Oh No, no, I'm still, yeah. I'm still on board as Park Spoilers. You don't have to take up Vivian for that. That's her passive. Yeah. 
Yeah, the plus yeah, is vigilance and reach. Reach is not a useful ability to give flying creatures, in my opinion. That is that is true. Yeah, I, I think it was uh, very difficult to be in speed with. Yeah, um, so we're going to tick up yeah. Ashiok, and then what's the next step? <laughs> Why are we ticking up Ashiok? I thought we were just trying to tick up Planeswalkers. <laughs> Proliferate Flux Channeler on Teo. Sounds good. Activate Aetherworks Marvel to flash yes. in Cavalier of Gales. Sack it to Altar of Dementia, so we shuffle our library. Then resolve the Brainstorm trigger. And then what? <laughs> I don't know. Get Brainstorm locked. Oh, no, we can do this with Augur. We can do this with uh, Riverwise Augur. Uh, save us some mana. Oh, yeah, let's just play that instead. What? Yeah, but that's not a fun it's not a five. Yeah, plus one mana for plus three, plus three of stats and flying and a dies trigger that lets you scry to is is quite an upgrade from Riverwise Augur, but it's not a merfolk. True. I don't know. I think I kind of think this card's good. I'm not sure. It's really hard to evaluate. I think it's good in like a mid range blue deck. Kefnet just seems better to me. Um, not in a deck that's creature focused. Yeah. Well, what if played this in a in a two color field the rune deck? What what does that well, mean? Sorry, so then you you can you can shuffle your own. But like it's fairly unlikely that you're gonna be able to do both of those things in the same turn, right? Because you need to have it. You can do, do, that. do it on the next upkeep. You could. You could. There's like ways to do it. If you play like Jace in your deck, you can like brainstorm then mill yourself for two as well. I don't know if those are in the same deck, but it's possible. Like I I don't think that the like okay, so obviously the card the 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 effect is brainstorm. So that makes you think of how to make Brainstorm good. But I actually think that the effect on its own without the traditional ways that you make Brainstorm good is fine because it's standard and just the power level is not that high. So like the absolute worst case scenario for you is that you draw three and then you put two lands back on top of your deck. But you've st- you're still up a card in that scenario. It's it's likely you've drawn something from the three cards or you have cards. Yeah, and to be fair, Brainstorm locking yourself is not a big deal when you're already on five mana, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a big deal when in the early game when you need to hit land drops and then you just know you're not hitting land drops for the next two turns. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that is obviously less, less an issue here yeah, in the game. I think what if you have played Tamiya 1 forward and play this and then uh, put two cards? If you have two of the same card, you know, you've got a pair. If you have a pair of cards in your hand after Grace or one, put two back on top. It's really, uh, Tamiyo, I mean, it's, it's, it's just insane with Tamiyo, actually, because, yeah, you can just, you just know you're going to hit when you plus the Tamiyo with whatever you name, so you just get to draw. Like, you can even put back the best card from the Brainstorm and the worst card, name the best card to redraw it and get rid of the worst card. Oh, that's very good. And then, like, So this is actually really good with Tamiyo. And then even then, the other card, if you wanted the other card as well, it's now in your graveyard and Tamiyo can get it back next turn. Yeah, so maybe that's actually a thing. Blue-green... Tamiyo is just a good enough card to put in like basically every blue-green deck as is anyway, so it's kind of a nice little combo. Yeah, it seems uh seems reasonable to me. Also maybe okay with uh with Charter Course, because then you can draw cards and discard one of the ones that you don't want or something. You're not allowed to play Charter Course. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving on swiftly. Alright. Uh <laughs> so we'll we'll have a look at the other mythics. Um so there's a cycle of three color mythics. And they are all the edge colors from from Kansa Tarkir, except for one, which is the which is a, a, a the Naya shard, which is the Biobox promo. Um, so I'll start with the Mardu colored one. So it's a white, uh, it's red, white, black for a three-three angel, and it's Kalia Zenith Seeker. Or oh, sorry, not an angel. Look, she looks like an angel. She's a human cleric. Anyway, she has flying and vigilance, 
and whenever she enters the battlefield look at the top six cards of your library you may reveal an angel card a demon card and or a dragon card from among them and put them into your hand put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order so kalia doing kalia things is this is good enough in standard or is this just pure commander fodder i think it's just commander fodder it's it's hard to is there going it's just because the stats are good for three mana, but it's so hard to cast. How many angels, demons, and dragons are you generally interested in putting in your standard deck? Like, you, you don't want to warp your deck too hard to play around this. So, like, how many hits are you realistically going to have in, like, a Mardu mid-range deck? And, uh, and these all happen to be creature types that tend to have five mana costs. So you're, you're, you're presumably, you're, you're going to be messing your curve up if you're going to try it, if you're going to try it now. Maximize value off this. Yeah, like your best bet is this to be like some kind of angels deck, like Mardu Angels, because then you at least have Resplendent Angel, Shalai, stuff like that. Um, but then, like, do you really have demons and dragons you're going to be hitting? Not really. So this is just going to like not hit all that often. But it, then it's like so basically very good. I don't think so. If you hit one, like you're pretty happy if you hit one, and then yeah, you're happy. There. Yep, true. And in the late game, it's great, like when you have a ton of mana and you can play both the cards you hit in the same turn. Yeah, like six cards is a, a lot of cards to look at. Yeah, maybe it's a thing then. I could see it, like Mardu Angels. And what's the? And then maybe you just play like Spawn of Mayhem too. Maybe, yeah. What What's the What's the white black angel? Oh, um, Sarah, Sarah for the scales. Yeah, that could be a thing. Yeah. yeah so I, I wonder. It, it'd be interesting to basically build a Mardu Midrange deck that you know, quote unquote, happens to have all its creatures be one of these three types. Sorry, yeah, three types. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, maybe uh, with standard being standard is you know quite big now, um, and maybe that's not too much of a tall order. Maybe we can go through the curve and, and see each. Um, well, I don't think you're like I think maybe the question there is what is your what are you playing at a lower mana cost than than Kalia? Google spells. Okay. No, you need to play creatures, right? Like if you're in for a three three flying vigilance, you need to have like good two drops as well. Yeah, and I'm or. I think you need. I think you need to curve out. Mm. So I would just play like a Danto Vanguard or something. Yeah, I think so. Or is there is there, what's a good red two drop or a good uh, black two drop? You could play um, Dusky Boy, Dusky Legion Zealot. Mm, why would we play that? I I'm thinking we want to want to get in the the damage. All right. Okay. Um, Yourself. Red Horde Butcher. Yeah, Dread Horde Butcher maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been playing some Dread Horde Butchers. In recent days, yeah, it's a zombie warrior, unfortunately, not a demon. Mm. Uh, two two creature types that are almost as cool as the three on this uh, <laughs> zombie warriors. <laughs> Eric, yeah, I don't know. Like, I could see, I could, yeah, I don't know. I could try and, I could see myself trying to brew something with this, and just, just this as like a value engine. Yeah, it's also good with a brought back. Mm. This is a pretty sick ETB to be able to do again. This is true. <laughs> a lot of cards brought back, and you bring back a history of Banalia and Akalia somehow. Oh my god! Oh. Yeah. Oh, you definitely just play like Knight of Grace and Knight of Malice as the two drops in this deck, right? Yeah. Yeah, because then she, yeah, yeah. she fulfills both color requirements. And then maybe your curve just ends at like Lyra. Oh, nice. Is there a five mana demon that we could play? Uh, Belzenlock? or no, he's six, right? Six. Yeah. I don't know is it. Is there a five mana? It's indescribable. I don't think we should. I mean, maybe let's try and brew this deck up, and then we can come back next week and, and talk about it if we find anything good. All right. Okay. Yeah. Moving on to the Abzan. Al, what are you doing? My keyboard was 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 messy. All right. 
sounded like you were spilling wrenches all over your deck. <laughs> I hold all these wrenches. All right, moving on to the Abzan Wedge, we have Kethis, the Hidden Hand. So, uh, legendary creature, Elf Advisor. It's a white, black, green for a 3-4. And the text is, legendary spells you cast cost one less to cast. And another ability, exile two legendary cards from your graveyard. Until end of turn, each legendary card in your graveyard gains. You may play this card from your graveyard. This seems uh, interesting. Combo-y. I will say uh, the history of three mana elf advisors with restrictive casting costs uh, is pretty good. This is true. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is a, like, an intentional callback. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's it's unfortunately not as good as Leovold Emissary of Trust, I don't think. Does seem okay though. They they it feels like they've printed a lot of cards in this set that uh combo with teams that are about to rotate out of standard. Yeah. Maybe you play five mana Tashara combo, diligent excavator in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You I mean you can also get planeswalkers or I mean this reduces the, the mana cost of planeswalkers, so if you think about like Teferi or whatever, well, that would have to be a four color deck, but you could play Teferi the turn after this. You could play... Uh, what Planeswalkers are in white, black, and green? Unfortunately, white, black, and green are not the best colors for, for, for this ability, I think. It's really good with Mox Amber. Yes, it is. It's like also, if you play multiple Mox Ambers, one goes in your graveyard, and then you can exile it to activate the ability. Yeah. It's really good with Oath, Oath of Kaya. It's insane with Oath of Kaya. Yeah, literal Lightning Helix. Yeah, and again, like multiples go in your graveyard. Yep. I guess that's going to be true for every card we say here because they're all going to be legendary, so I'll stop saying it. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's pretty good with uh, Kazmina as well. Mm, what what makes it specifically good with Kazmina? Like just three mana Kazmina that then makes your Kethis really hard to remove. Oh, okay. And when you loot, you get to put more legendary cards in your graveyard. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. We're, again, we're stretching into four colors now, though. Yeah, I mean... We're definitely playing Niv Mizzet Reborn too, right? <laughs> Doesn't make it cheaper, but we can replay it from the graveyard to refill our hand. True. Mock Amber is our fixing. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Not really. It's not really fixing. I mean, it's like, it's got to be good, right? We're playing Fibble Tip as well. Fibble Tip for a blue. Yeah. We can play uh, Kamal's Druidic Vow. Ooh, yeah. Legendary Sorceries. Yeah. Do Sorceries, yeah. yeah. On this. Yeah, Urza's Ruinous Blast. Yeah. That, this could be a thing. I don't know. This sounds fucking sweet as hell. Could be. Could be. I don't know. I, I think it's even yeah, if you're... I feel like this one is maybe not not good enough for standard. Um, what else is there? Soren. Soren's in white and black. Soren can bring this card back from the graveyard if it's in there. Eldest Reborn. Eldest Reborn. Mm. Ooh, Sagas. Didn't think about this. Uh, legendary, though, right? All right? Sagas are legendary, are they? No. Oh, wait, no. No, I'm confusing <laughs> legendary and historic. Yeah. Too many words. Because of that new format. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I'm not sure about this one. It's good. Good size as well. Good on. Good on rate, but it's uh, dubious, I think. So we'll move on to the Jeskai one, which does make me kind of excited. It's a uh, Kikar Kaikar Winds Fury. It's at one and Jeskai mana, so blue, red, white, for a bird wizard, legendary bird wizard, with flying. It's a 3-3. And it says, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying, and then sacrifice a spirit, add red. So it's young pyromancer, but the tokens have flying. Uh, Yeah, 
they have flying and you can sack them to add red. So this is a super sweet like storm commander in EDH, right? Right. Oh yeah. Seems seems pretty busted there. Don't really see it for standard. Really? Um it's a lot of it's a lot of work, right? To start making one ones. Maybe. I mean we already have the feather deck in Jeskai. In Jeskai colors. Some people are playing just Boros, some people are playing Jeskai. But like this adds like an extra dimension to that deck because it has so many uh, cheap non-creature spells. Very true. Very true. Uh, I think it's it's. I think it costs four mana and being this mana intensive is it kind of, to, to kind of do going to put it into an aggressive deck, especially that last ability sacrifice creature add red. You're you're kind of thinking of like you know going off with Sinky and or going off with um, experimental, experimental frenzy. But I guess it's if you're if you're drop a three quarter or four drop is what you want in an aggressive deck. Mm. So, then I suppose I I I haven't thought I hadn't thought of feather and then they mentioned there this, this does seem like it goes pretty well into feather uh, got a lot of creature spells it kind of plays into your 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 main strategy yeah or it could be like sideboarded for an extra dimension it's good with healer right yeah getting two tokens at a time seems very good maybe you just play like Jeskai Arclight Phoenix yeah maybe there's a the, the Jeskai Drake set from four. Yeah, so before you were just splashing Deafening Clarion, basically, which obviously you're not going to want to do now if your whole plan is to make a bunch of 1-1s. But what else could you do? Yeah, I guess in Standard, maybe you do have to be doing something more with the tokens or or the mana or something, because now that I think of it, you also, we also have the... Um, what's the 4-mana the 1-5 that does the same thing? Well, it makes birds. Yeah, mur- murmuring mystic, yeah. Yeah, murmuring mystic. So, which is obviously only in one color. So, yeah, ma- that card does see some play, though. It sees some sideboard play sometimes. It does, but uh, it's also, it, you know, it's one color. So, I think most people would probably continue playing it over this. Yeah, this is an efficient beater as well, though. So, like that card was basically because it was a one-four. You were very heavily incentivized to put it into defensive decks, where like you're, you know, you ha- you didn't care about not being able to attack with the one-four body, and you wanted the blocker against Chain Whirler, or, you know, whatever cards like that. Whereas this card, you know, you're going to be able to beat down a lot better with it. But I don't know, like yeah. But I mean, Drakes is it Drakes before was already interested sometimes in playing more Mystics as a sideboard card, so maybe they'll be interested in this. They did switch to Sahili once that came out, but this could be an option too. The thing with Sahili is it was also pretty sweet to be able to copy one of your tokens and make it into a Phoenix or a Drake. Whereas with this, your one ones are always just going to be one ones. True. Uh, could be some kind of Banefire combo with this as well. We make a bunch of spirits and then sack for a big fireball. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. Is that yeah? That's the the added dimension, I guess. Is you can spend, you can you know play a lot of cantrips and and low impact spells, and then and then sack for a lot of mana and banefire, as you say, or electro dominance or mass manipulation. Yeah, could be a thing. Uh, yeah, getting quadruple blue might be tough in uh, true a three color deck. Maybe just entrancing melody, but but then you don't really need X to be that high for entrancing melody. So hmm, I don't know. I mean, I'm more interested now than when we started talking about it, to be honest. We have we have come up with some, some ideas, I think. Yeah, that's fair. All right, let's move on to the next one, which I think could be really good. Not sure. Uh, so it's Omnath, Locus of the Royal. So it's one and then Teamer colors, green, blue, red. So every time we see Omnath, he gets an extra color added to him. Uh, so it's a legendary creature, Elemental. So Elemental is important. It's 3-3. Three, three. When it enters the battlefield, it deals damage to any target equal to the number of elementals you control. 
And whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on target elemental you control. If you control eight or more lands, draw a card. I'm pretty high at this. Uh, so I feel like the, the, that first ETB is going to be another elemental, and it's when it's coming down and shocking something, that's it. You're, you're doing a lot of you know, what you want to do. Even in worst case scenario, it's going to come down, come down and ping something. Uh, be, uh, well, worst case scenario is they kill it and it's the trigger, but yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, it's like, um, we, we, you know, it's, a lot of planeswalkers in this set are like, let, uh, end up being left on one mana or on one loyalty. Yeah, and late game, it just puts space for a lot too. Exactly. Um, yeah, we, we, can, we can get over a saw board, you can break a saw board. Um, yeah, and just like turning your late land drops into uh, cantrips is bananas, and it's much of a tall order. Um, if you're if you're doing if you, you know if, you, if you're casting like a, um, well, I was gonna say if you're casting graces, but if you're casting graces with that much mana, you're probably winning anyway. Uh, but like it's it's if you're, you're yeah, you're out the game. Escape shift. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Or peeling potatoes. I think it's a escape shift. Draw eight cards. Put eight counters on on math on. Yeah, I think. Or on Cavalier of Gales. Oh. That sounds pretty good. I think it is important to note that uh, Omnath can put counters on himself or itself, whatever. Yeah, that's sweet. I think this goes really well with the green Cavalier, specifically. Mm-hmm. Like that's going to get you to eight lands faster. Yeah. You know, yeah. So forth. Yeah, if you're, it ramps you up to six straight away. Yeah, I'm... Just like is an elemental. Yeah, I mean, they're all ele- elementals, right? But yeah. seems like it works best out of, out of the teamer colors with the green one to me. This card seems very good. It's good with Living Twister. Living Twister lets you return lands to your hands and replay them. Yes. Living Twister, also an elemental. It takes the counters like a champ. Yeah, for sure. Are there any elementals with Trample that we're interested in playing? Um, None of the Mythics have them. Have it. Do, does the red one... What does the red one have? First Strike? Uh, no, it gains haste when you activate the ability. All your creatures gain haste, but it doesn't have any ability itself. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know of any anything that has trample but yeah i I suppose the the viability of omnath depends on what the elementals deck looks like or like if it's even good enough um i feel like it's probably there like it seems to have enough stuff uh but who knows if it'll even be teamer or if it'll be red green or blue green or maybe there'll be different combinations you can play a few different types oh you know what elemental is does have trample and also returns cards uh, land cards to your hand what uh Ooh. Mm. Is Multani an elemental? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Elemental Avatar. I'm kind of interested in that. And yeah. <laughs> Multani also benefits from yeah, having, having loads of lands in play as well. So We are now four colors again, but I'm okay with that too. What? No. Multani is green. Oh. oh, he's just green. I always think of him as being Sultai because I always draft him in Sultai. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> no, just green. Oh, it could just be Sultai for no reason. <laughs> Well, the next card that we're looking at is Sultai. It's a uh, Rock the Desecrated. It's two and then Sultai color, so black, green, blue for a 3-5. Also an elemental, elemental horror. Uh, has Death Touch and Life Link. What a great combo. And if a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. So this actually would be pretty good on the battlefield at the same time as Omnath. Yeah, that's pretty nice. I think this card's cool. I kind of want to build, build a commander deck around it because it seems like I would have to put no effort into it whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, just throw a Panharmonicon into there. Sorted. Oh, I already see this one for standard, to be honest. Five mana to get your engine going is a lot to ask. Really? I think so. Like, what are you going to have left <laughs> in your hand in your ETB value deck by the time you play your five drop? Yeah, I suppose. It's pretty good. It's good with Cavalier of Gales, double yeah. brainstorm. 
that that's what I was gonna say. It's pretty good with the with all the Cavaliers. It's good with Augur Abolus. How good is double brainstorm if you're I mean it just lets you put the two cards back in front of again. It lets you see one card deeper than a single rides to run. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of amazing. Well evolving wilds in between two chairs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well if you can sacrifice the the Cavalier of Gales in between the triggers, you get to shuffle your library and scry two and then resolve the second brainstorm. I don't know. Do we have any free sacrifice outlets and standards? I don't think so. Um, so either. <laughs> no, on board ones. We have Bantu is closest to have. Oh, yeah. um, oh gods, you just gods, you, no, you just play a second Cavalier of Gales, so you have to sacrifice it to the Legend Rule, and then you get all three triggers on the stack at the same time, and you get to choose the order. But Cavalier of Gales is not legendary. Fuck! This is too hard. I give up. <laughs> Magic is difficult. We were so close. But yeah, again, I'm going to bring up Ravenous Chupacabra. Or is that what it's called? Yeah. Hungry, Hungry Chupacabra. That you get that what it's called. Have some respect. I was, I was going to say that too. God, remember we... You know, Ravenous Chupacabra used to be the king of this format. Yep. Now he's been brought so low by Planeswalkers. It's a shame he doesn't kill Planeswalkers. Do, wait, do... So this says if a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability. So are, are there any triggers from, from Planeswalkers entering? I don't think so. Uh, you can gain a life from Interplanar Beacon. No, because that's... Cast? Yeah, that works. No. A cast trigger? Oh, that's a cast trigger. I thought it was... Okay. Um, yeah, there's probably others. Diligent Excavator. Oh, yeah. It's a historic card. Yeah. I don't think that's very good. Yeah, anything anything that triggers off historic would trigger twice. Yeah. Oh! Oh! Uh, uh... No. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> sagas. sagas don't... Saga... Do sagas work? No. Because... They trigger when they get the lore counter put on them, not when they ETB. Damn. ETB and causes you to put a lore counter on them, but that's not a trigger, so it doesn't trigger twice. You sure? As it enters. As it enters, it's a turn-based action or whatever. Or a place. Yeah, yeah. thought I was onto something there. All right, never mind. We'll have a look at the Biobox promo instead. It's a a Naya Angel. It's it's two two red, green, white uh, for an angel, legendary creature. It's a Rien, Angel of Rebirth. She's a 5-4 flyer. It's pretty good for 5 mana. Other multicolored creatures you control get plus 1 plus 0. Whenever another multicolored creature you control dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. So something for Hero of Precinct 1 decks, maybe? Some kind of Naya hero deck? Possibly, but I think you need a very strong case to play Naya over Esper Hero. And well, a very good reason. it would be a different deck. It would be like a tokens deck, probably, or something. Like with yeah, yeah. with heroic reinforcements or something, I don't know. And then, you can make uh, you can play plain white celebration, which makes multicolored tokens, which would get plus one plus zero from this. Yeah, but that's seven mana. I think you pre- probably want this to be the top of your curve. All right. Well, if, I mean, playing tokens, the the second part of the card doesn't do anything. You play stuff like, for example, Sky Knight Vanguard, which is in the set, so it's like red white for a one two flyer. Whenever it attacks, create a one-one white soldier creature token that's tapping attacking. So it it pumps it up into a two-two. Uh, the you don't get any benefit on the one-one soldier, but it also might give you a, a hero trigger or whatever. Yeah, maybe this is not really the type of card I'm interested in, so I'll probably ignore it until it ends up being good and then buy overpriced copies. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Well, see, yeah, it works with Lost Spirits from the aftermath triggers. Uh, oh, yeah. oh yeah, that's pretty sweet. That's true. That's but true. then you got to be four color again. Well, hmm. white or there, there, there are some white creatures that only white creatures that that die into into the spirits. But then obviously, then you're not getting 
multicolor up front, so that's also bad. Um, yeah, but I think this one is is quite powerful for a buy a box promo, right? I mean, not as bad as Nexus of Fate. I don't think it would ever be that bad because it's three color, but it's certainly pushing the boundary. I think it is. Five four uh, five on a five four flyer. Like it's 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 going to do something. You know, it's not completely a casual card or or a non competitive card. Yeah, and it's a. I mean, it, it is also a good casual card. Like, it's good for, like, Commander. It's uh, it's an Angel, which is a popular creature type. So there's going to be a lot of demand for it, I'd say, even even if it's not in a standard deck. And there's a good chance that it could be in a standard deck. So I don't know. It's a bit, bit weird to continue seeing these buy-a-box promos be good. Yeah, I think this one is about right, to be honest, for the power level. Like, I don't really see it in standard. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just missing something, but... I'm kind of fine with this being a buy a box promo. Okay, we shall see. I think you're probably you're probably closer to right than I am. All right, do you want to do so? That that's all the mythics. So, do you guys want to talk about maybe one more card each? Just choose whatever you want. I don't remember what I talked about last week. Did I talk about brought back? No, you didn't. We 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 didn't talk about anything really. We we only talked about the mythics. Oh, okay, grand. Yeah, I'll talk about brought back then. I think this card is busted. And I'm going to be playing it in every deck at the start of the season. So Broadback is a white instant. It costs white, white. Uh, it's a rare. It says, choose up to two target permanent cards in your graveyard that were put there from the battlefield this turn. Return them to the battlefield tapped. So this card just does everything. It's Wrath Protection. Um, it's good with Light Spirit. I mean, or sorry, that's not in the format. What's the one that excels a graveyard? The two mana, two one flyer? The Remorseful Cleric? Yeah, Remorseful Cleric, it's good with that. It's good with Dauntless Bodyguard. Um, you know, if they trade with, like, a Militia Bugler or something, it's, like, really good value. And, like, this is all thinking about White Weenie decks. Obviously, if your board gets Wrath, you just get your best two creatures back. Um, you know, it works. It's it's good if there's any kind of egg-type cards that you can sacrifice to, like, draw a card and then bring back. Um, works well with Field of Ruin. Like you get your Field of Ruin back into play, as well as the the land that you got from the Field of Ruin. Um, people are obviously thinking combo-y stuff with like Lotus Veil and stuff like that, trying to go bigger with it. But I just think as a value card, it's absolutely awesome. You might even want to play Evolving Wilds in the deck where you play this, if there's no better fetch land to play. I think in Modern, it's going to see a lot of play in like Death, Death and Taxes and stuff like that. It's really good with like Ghost Quarter, Tectonic Edge, fetch lands. Uh, I think this card is just amazing, and it's going to be everywhere. I think one one really good uh, use of it, in my opinion, or that I've heard other people talking about, is just in white weenie decks. As you said, that's like the first place where you where you think of it because it just it costs white white and it brings your stuff back if it died. Um, is history of Benalia. So the history of Benalia naturally dies, and then you can just bring it back. Yeah, like that's so unfair that I didn't even want to mention it because I thought our viewers would would not like that start getting sick <laughs> yeah i mean that's just ridiculous right i mean that's only going to be in the format for a couple of months but seems super super strong yeah it does seem pretty good minus a planeswalker like an ajani to like bring a creature back and then just cast this and bring the ajani back no do it again god yeah, exactly yeah kind of, kind of like killing a planeswalker that way yeah. you're finishing off a planeswalker and then just bring it back is a honest it also works well with like white's enchantment removal. So like if if they if they if your opponent boards in something to kill your enchantments, your like Ixlan's binding or whatever it is, you can just play this and get it back. It's really mad. Like I think this card is just too pushed. It's, I think it's just too powerful. I think it's going to be literally in every format. Maybe not 
Maybe not legacy. Modern for sure. Yeah, I think it is very, very good. All right, Al, do you want? I did the rare pre-order. Yeah, this card. That's uh. Three euro, which is probably overpriced, but yeah. Well, you pre-order a few for me there, right? Because I can't order them at the moment. Oh yeah, well, Mike, I got to change my password on Card Market because of the big hack. If anyone didn't hear about that, we probably should have mentioned that in news at the start of the episode. Yeah. Got hacked on. A, it seems like basically everyone's account got completely compromised, including your name, address, phone number, date of birth, all that stuff. If you had them on your account, so go uh, go check up on that if you have a card market. Yeah, not good. Uh, Al, do you want to choose a card to talk about? Uh, yeah, I, I was looking here at a Marauding Raptor. Uh, Marauding Raptor is uh, one in the red for a creature dinosaur. Its X is a, it's a two tree. Uh, creature spells you cast cost one S to ca- cost. Creature spells you cast cost one S to cast. Another creature enters the battlefield under your control. Uh, it deals two damage to it. If dinosaur dealt damage this way, Marauding Raptor gets plus two plus zero until the end of turn. This card is spoiled. Everyone, all everyone was talking about was uh, Pine Raptor being like, oh, if you play this Pine Raptor, you break the game. And it's, you know, this Pine Raptor causes an infinite combo uh, that that can't be broken unless you have another another effect. But I feel like that kind of obviously that's just nonsense. Uh, it's almost like a meme or something. But I think I feel like that kind of discourse has basically directed away from the fact that this card is very very good. Uh, it's you know, just having all your creatures cost one less. Higher deck building restriction in terms of you're not going to pay anything, anything with, with toughness uh, two or less. But I guess if you're just you know in some kind of gruel gruel curve up deck, uh, or even just you know straight up you know um, sort of decks that people were that we were trying to brew to start fixing on. Uh, like this just you know this just causes all the rage triggers happened. A lot of a lot of the dinosaurs that kind of got those were, were kind of forgotten about because I guess standard back then was very very powerful. Uh, the, the, the the dinosaur deck you know wasn't quite you know didn't quite you know come come to formation. Um, so I think yeah, Wolf you mentioned earlier on the episode that sometimes they like pushing an archetype right before it rotates. Marauding Raptor, Marauding Raptor very much does that. And Ray, it's just a two tree. You know how how devastating it is to have a shock in your hand when it untapped. Uh, then they turn two. Can't play a creature. You're thinking I'm gonna kill it, but then they play uh, two mana two tree. The elf that was like oh, it's it's <laughs> so it's uh, yeah it, it does that. You know it's it's um, it evades uh, you know some board wipes. Yeah, it's kind of one that I'll, I'm gonna have to see in action before I get my head around it. I think it's a strange card. It's like you get to turn three, play uh, you know the games that I put today. Uh, the um the Ripjaw Raptor. You know, it's like this in turn two, Ripjaw Raptor in turn four or turn three. Yeah, that's all right. you're right there. You got a four five okay. attack send for four. That's pretty great. Yeah, I, I think that um this probably is the the missing element of the dinosaur decks, but then at the same time, I feel like the format may have already moved past that type of thing um and maybe just the, the gruel decks that we have now are the best way to go and uh, even even this boost wouldn't put the dinosaur deck above above that because of like haste i mean you could also just incorporate some of the gruel cards that we have like gruel spellbreaker could just go in the same deck because it doesn't die to the to the raptor's trigger um i think the the probably the best part of the card is the creature spells you cast cost one less to cast so I think trying to do your best to abuse that. So what are the most impactful fours that you can cast on turn three? And probably Ripjaw Raptor with that trigger is one of them. But then at the same time, if your opponent just untaps and, and rats you, you're going to be pretty sad. I suppose you still drew a card, so not the end of the world. Yeah, you're doing this early enough, early enough that yeah, you can cast like a four mana rat if they're on the play. Yeah, like you said, you drew a card. Also, stacks of multiples. Um, I, think it's, I think it's something anyway. It well, it, it stacks very badly for you in multiples, right? You have to play. Yeah, you just gotta have with five toughness to, yeah, to cast, cast two, two mana Ripjaw Raptor. 
draw two cards. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Specifically with Ripjaw Raptor, it's very good, but <laughs> with other stuff? Yeah, but we're, just, we're playing 15 Ripjaw Raptors in this deck, right? Oh, okay. I got yeah, that. I think it's, you know, if when, when, you're, when, you're spell, when your creature spells, when, when you're stacking this effect, you're going to be casting big, bigger spells anyway to maximize it, so... Uh... I suppose. But even, like, Cavalier of Flame, you can't cast that, that'll die. Wait, no, that's a 6-5, is it? Or is it a, a five, a, a six four? No, wait, it's a it's a six. Five. Okay, so it would would not die, and Cavalier of Thorns also would not die. So yeah, maybe maybe you can't if you have two on the battlefield. You can't, for example, cast uh, what's the reg the, what's the Registrar Alpha? You can't cast that. Registrar Alpha, yeah. That'll just die. Yes, Alpha you can. Die. Yeah, but you can still cast it. You <laughs> sure you can? Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't cast it if you also plan on winning. Uh, and wait, actually, yeah, yeah, that's true. actually, it would get, wouldn't it give the Marauding Raptor plus four plus O? Because there's two dinosaurs entering and, and having damage dealt to them. So maybe it's not that bad. Yep. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty sweet. As well as you, you just can't pay a third one. Uh, it's just two animal tools. <laughs> All right, the card that I would like to talk about is also a dinosaur, but this time it's a green one. And it doesn't work very well in multi with, the, with the Marauding Raptor in multiples, but just one of them. It does work okay with. Uh, it's two green green. It's Shifting Ceratops is the name. Two green green for a 5-4 dinosaur. And it can't be countered. Has protection from blue. And it has the activated ability of uh, pay a single green mana. And it gains your choice of reach, trample, or haste until end of turn. I don't know about this one. Protection from blue doesn't strike me as that good. What? Stops Teferi bouncing it though, which is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I think that alone is enough. That's, That's the main huge. thing. But this is already a four drop. Like the problem with Teferi is he bounces your two and three. Yeah, but then you play this and the, it, the deck can't touch it. Well, I guess it's it's not it. But it also cast haste. So the, the, the next one in your hand is okay because it can have haste. Yeah, I, do, I don't know. It's also very. I, think like... I mean, I, I also I can accept that the uh, dispel can't be countered is not very not particularly good in this in this meta game because nobody's playing any counter spells. Uh, but the I think the protection from blue is pretty big. Really? Like it's also very good against mono blue. That's true. I can't argue that point. Can't be countered. Very good against Get reach. Yeah, exactly. So but mono blue only exists as a deck when I try to queue on arena with Simic Nexus. It's the only time anyone ever plays it is when I click that button. So very true, very true. But like there, there are a few pieces for mono blue in this set, so it actually could see a resurgence. True. Yeah. I mean, it's like this thing is powerful. I just don't like it right now. I'm just not sure how good it would be against Esper or whatever. I think it'd be pretty decent. Like I can definitely see it being a big part of the next format. Sure. I think the pro red one is the best. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean that can slot into mono blue. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to read that one out? Where is that one? I can't find it. It's a Cerulean Drake. Oh yeah, I found it. Yeah, so it's one and a blue for a creature Drake. It's a 1-1 one, one flyer with protection from red, and you can sacrifice it uh, to do the ability counter-target spell that targets you. So, just a absolute beating against Mono Red. They just can't do anything against it. Yep. They can just never attack you again. Chain Whirler doesn't kill it. Like, tar like well, you can sack it in the late game to, kill to, to counter their last piece of burn. Turns out in Charter Course really easily. It's just absolutely ridiculous, to be honest. Yeah, it does seem great in that matchup. Uh, even does stuff like like post-board uh, Phoenix is usually a big problem for, for Mono Blue or that kind of a deck. And it just sorts that out for you, basically. You just uh, 
block the Phoenix forever with the Cerulean Drake. Yeah, pretty ridiculous. Protection in general is just really always worth looking out for. A lot of players um, probably haven't played with it that are you know new from Arena or have only joined the game in the last couple of years. It's very frustrating to play against. So enjoy that, everybody. <laughs> I'm surprised you brought it back. I've always seen it as uh, it's never been standard since I was playing, and uh, I've always seen it as being uh, an old, um, you know, a, a ye old keyword. Magic was crazy, so stuff like with like banding and and island walk. No, I mean um, the, when I played standard originally, it was in standard like uh, Throne the Last Troll and stuff. Or no, sorry, that had hexproof, but there was a uh, great sable stag and stuff was legal in standard when I started playing in like 2010. It wasn't when I was, but yeah, yeah. Well, it's, uh, yeah. It's been, but I mean, but that's like, but I mean, 2010 is not the old days of Magic with banding. It's nine years ago, like that. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, Magic's been around for 25 years. <laughs> it's it's. it's you know, from you know, we have you know, a, a new you know, we've since seen kind of a new change in the design. Uh, I guess we kind of saw we saw to kind of move away from hate cards in the last few years. So now it's like it seems like the direction has uh, gone back, and we have a lot of hate yeah, cards. Yeah. In this, which I get that, but it's like banding you don't think of as being in the same era as like mythic rare plane planeswalkers. Yeah, which, is, <laughs> which protection was in standard with, alongside those. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it's as old as as uh, those. Uh, I'm saying I've seen it as being old because. Um, it was, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. You see them the same thing, same way. Uh, the better, the better time between the Triceratops and uh, uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex is more is longer than the better time between Tyrannosaurus Rex and now. One's in Jurassic Park one, and one's in Jurassic Park two, right? Well, they're both, yeah. no, they're both in Jurassic Park one. Both in Jurassic oh. Park one. So it's only about half an hour between the time you see them. <laughs> oh, god, yeah. Well, okay, <laughs> I, I think, uh. I feel like the these particular protection creatures are like not not that offensive, uh, or at least four of them. So like the the white, blue, black, and red ones are all like one toughness. Um, like the 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 white one is a two one, the blue is a one one, the black one is a one one, and the red one is also a one one, but it gets plus two plus zero when it's attacking. So like most of them, I feel are are pretty inoffensive. I think it's a fairly um, tame way to bring protection back except for the green one the green one is a massive beater um so that's a little bit different but i guess that's green's ability is to be annoying with its creatures big yeah yeah all right well i think uh i think that'll do it for for m20 this week because we don't want to spend our whole time talking about that because we do have some arena news to talk about um unless there is any card that you guys want to talk about before we move on Point out uh, a combo with a uh, direct set Maw Flames. Uh, you play that with a uh, two. Oh no, I had it in front of me. Now it's gone. Uh, it's a uh, heart of summoning. Play that and two heart of summoning. It's a, it turns into a three mana glory bringer. Yeah. Uh, do, 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 do. But it doesn't have haste. You you it, it, you'll need something else to give it haste. Okay. Uh, Samud. Okay. Well, heartless summoning is not in standard, so we're talking uh, modern. I wasn't talking about standard. Yeah, I know. Okay. Okay. You need each them take it a 4-4. All right, all right. Okay, shall we move on to the arena announcements? Yeah, for sure. Yes, yeah. Cool. Okay, so we had a big list of announcements for arena um, because of the release of the core set. Well, it hasn't been released yet, but it's it's coming soon. So they, they threw up an article on the mothership that includes... Some of the like rules updates and particulars about uh, the the M20 cards, and it also had some news about a new system that's coming to Arena, which is the mastery system. So 
the mastery system already exists in the new player experience where you like you fill out this weird sphere grid it looks like the sphere grid from final fantasy 10 uh as you play matches and as you get wins and things like that you get like experience points and you fill out the sphere grid in order to get like new access to new cards and then eventually decks uh so this i think any it was implemented only a while ago so it's possible that some people have missed it out uh like for example we have all been playing since like the start of the of the beta so we missed it we just you know had to get a certain number of wins to get all those decks uh i think you can go back and and experience it if you want but yeah they're they're changing it so what they're doing is they're going to introduce the set mastery system so this is not just for new players this is for all players and it's going to be the same sphere grid style thing and i'm sure it's just going to be based on wins or maybe playing certain types of cards the same as your normal quests and you will earn the it's going to replace the weekly win rewards and you're going to earn like card styles and things like that through the mastery system but the really interesting thing is that they have also they're also adding a mastery pass which is basically a season pass uh from you know which can be experienced in many other games mainly first person shooters so this will be a thing that you can buy for 3400 gems so it's it's the same currency that you it, it's it's the real life currency if you will uh, although it can be earned in game uh 3400 is a sig- significant amount uh so you'll be able to buy this mastery pass and it's not exactly clear what it does for you but it basically allows you to increase the number and types of items that you receive uh for the mastery rewards and you also get an elemental cat pet so they're adding pets to arena so what what do you guys think of this will you will you be buying this or will you have to wait for the particulars i'll wait for the particulars i just want to see kind of exactly what you get out of it in terms of gems and rewards and stuff like that if if it seems worthwhile on that respect like i am playing a lot of arena so i will probably get it i can't say i care all that much about having a cat pet i currently have two cat pets one of whom is annoying me for food at the moment so i have enough of that in my life <laughs> yeah okay quite quite amusingly uh when i saw i desmond but once they started talking about cat pets uh i just my eyes just started skimming and like i completely missed this part because it, it describes um it's like oh you get season pass you get this this and this and also a cat pet a cat pet and then it describes all the stuff the cat does for like three lines and uh, i was like oh whatever that's not for me but then uh yeah i only realized that uh, you know, when you brought it to my attention i realized that this very much is something that uh, i would be looking into because yeah i, I guess it's it's you know, it, it, if it's if it's money i'm going to be sending on the arena anyway uh if there is any kind of saving uh, i might as well take it yeah so i i think it, it it likely will be worth uh getting so like they they say here that it will add Get, buying the mastery pass will add gold gems individual card rewards card sleeves and the elemental cat to your rewards so you still have to like level up and get those rewards but it just gives you the ability to get more rewards which is the same way that it works in other games and it's also important to note that this is time sensitive so it will only be available from when a set releases until a set uh, until the next set releases and then it'll be gone so it's a uh, Hmm, I'm not sure how to say it without sounding bad. I don't know. I personally I feel the pass system that has, you know, started to be used in games feels predatory to me because uh, it's in the same way that like games like World of Warcraft also now kind of feel predatory to me. It's like time limited content makes people anxious and makes them feel like they have to get it or they'll never be able to get it again. 
was the same thing that happened in Hearthstone where you have to get to rank whatever it is every month to to get your uh, to get your card back and then it was like the first month that I missed the card back I was like yeah I'm done with this game forever now <laughs> uh I mean I I know that there's nothing forcing me to to do this but it, for certain people it does feel it it gives you a compulsion um which can be pretty rough um so that's the mastery pass. Uh, okay, uh, London Mulligan is being renounced. Uh, renounced? Uh, used. <laughs> renounced. <laughs> renounced by millions. Yes. Yeah. No, it's being put into put into place. Uh, I don't know what I where I was going for with. <laughs> uh, I hereby declare that the London Mulligan shall be no more. Hurrah! It's cancelled. It's cancelled. Uh, yeah, London Mulligan. It's coming to Arena very soon, and paper also. It's coming to all Magic formats very soon, <laughs> and that's just. But we renounce it. What? We renounce it on this podcast. We will not be using it. Yes. Correct. Say when. Uh, it's coming in. Uh, it is twenty with the release, of course. At, what is it? It's it's the release, of course, at twenty twenty, which is July second on Arena, and sometime after that in paper. I think it's July twelfth in paper, or something like that. So it's it's very soon here. It's in a couple of days. And then this is the I feel like the meat of the of the announcement, even though actually they didn't actually give all that much info about it. But I feel like this is the thing that people were were thirsting for. And uh, we got a, a bit of information, at least. So in, in a section that they've called the road to rotation, they started to detail what is going to happen with people's cards after rotation, which is happening very soon now in the fall in just a couple of months. Uh, so basically this was a, a long-standing question for Wizards and something that really kind of had to be answered because we're, sp- we're here spending real money on this game, we're buying these cards, these digital cards, and there is no particular plan or there was no particular plan in place for what you would be able to do with your rotated cards once rotation came. So we're looking at Ixalan, Block, Plus, uh, Dominaria, and Corset 2019. And yeah, so they have they have announced a new format for Magic. Uh, currently, the plan is only for it to be on Arena. It's not going to be a paper format. The name of the format is Historic, so it's named after a, a Dominaria mechanic, I guess. Um, and there will be... So basically, there, there'll be no collection reset. It's going to happen at rotation, and the format will not have anything competitive. So it will only be casual play well it's not totally detailed but it just says people will be able to play casually so there'll be a, a there'll be a queue but it will not be ranked i was very disappointed uh, with this I, I thought we'd get details on, on an actual format um and that's what it's yeah it's, so we're so we're told that it literally, literally is uh standard with this extra set uh this false set included um yeah so i suppose yeah, it's something that people have been speculating about for so long we, we've done a lot of speculation about it we kind of wondered when this happens how do you want to bring it in what are you going to do um, and then, yeah, like you said, it's 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 a problem of rotation. It's something that I mean, I, I guess God, even think about it now. It's something that they must have been considering way back in the inception of of Magic Arena. Of like, all right, so because standard Magic is you know, it's a rotating trading card game and place for rotation. And I think this really just seems like they didn't have anything in place or any kind of plan in place until now. They're even kind of really kind of vague and unclear about. Oh yeah, you know, maybe maybe we'll reprint re- reprint uh, older sets and include them. Uh, but there's just you know, really you know, no information, and it's almost like they're not entirely sure what they're going to do. But yeah, like, like you said, it's it's not going to be 
but at least at least so far it's not going to be a competitive format. Yeah, like, I, I feel like it's almost like I'm I'm kind of I'm kind I was comparing this to the announcement of Wild back in Hearthstone when Hearthstone brought in rotation, even though that was kind of the same it's kind of, same kind of situation where another rotation was happening with another set coming in. Uh, Wild that at that point was going to be just all the old cards uh, that you know people were playing with in standard just a few weeks previously. But I, I guess they did a good job of even the selling the idea of Wild and even the name Wild implies that you know it's going to be crazy and wacky. It's going to get crazier, wacky as wackier as time goes on. I feel like, like even though Hearthstone is a far newer game, uh, you know, far presumably far less experience in, in, in this kind of game on it, uh, they just did a much better job of making that announcement and telling and kind of how it was meant to be and what will play in the game going forward. Uh, but I feel like here we we still just have so little information. Uh, it's this almost seems like an afterthought than a an actual plan. Yeah, it's yeah. Like one thing I think about this right is that wizards have to be really careful when they are making this announcement in terms of like being clear about if they want this to be a paper thing as well because we've seen with like brawl and tiny leaders and all these formats like how badly embarrassing and what a failure kind of it is when they try to bring out a new constructive format and it doesn't work so they have to balance that against the needs of the arena player base and making sure people can use their cards in arena and like obviously this just wouldn't have worked in paper if this was the idea because like no one wants to play standard plus you know what i mean like standard plus a couple of sets or whatever at the time so i think they did have a tough job there in terms of what this format was going to be and what the communication was going to be around it so i kind of understand that but at the same time it seems it's so stupid to me that they're just not putting kaladesh block and and whatever they have available in there straight away like like no one is going to play this on arena for like at least a year maybe that was the case for hearthstone but like it just seems like this is going to be such a flop from the beginnings for me like even even just on arena yeah like, I, I get your point that this yeah this is a difficult thing to approach difficult topic to approach but i mean they've, they've literally had years to compare it and it's it's like they it was inevitable that this day was going to happen uh you know but i think the response is almost like as if i had popped out of nowhere this issue popped out of nowhere but you know, like way back um because like, we were closed beta or, or even before that, where we had back, even as soon as arena was announced, people were talking about. Uh, so it's, uh... Yeah, I take your point. That's true. I, I honestly, I feel like this uh, this announcement is actually insulting. Like, as we say, they've had a long time to think about this. They very smartly timed their the full kind of release, uh, even though arena is technically still in beta, but like the wide release to the open beta, they timed that with uh, the the reset and wipe of um of amonkhet and kaladesh from from arena they timed it with rotation so that kind of solved the problem for them for a year and i i'm pretty sure we talked about this that they they would need to have some something some solution in place going forward and this just seems like the laziest solution ever it's just like okay we'll just keep ixland so basically the the core problem is if we add extra sets to it how do people get those cards in their collection and instead of just like putting some solution some actual solution in place that would make the format a bit different and interesting to play they've just kicked the problem down the road and every every year that goes by without this being addressed the problem becomes worse and worse i think yeah definitely agreed yeah but it's like i mean it's like like like, so I, i suppose as time goes on the format will become more different than standard so it'll be more interesting but at the same time, there's just there's absolutely no reason to play this format because it's not it's not competitive. It doesn't do anything for you. There's no ranked mode. You don't get anything. 
So why would anyone play this format that's just standard, that just rotated? That's that's boring. Like, yeah. if if there was a ranked ladder, people might have an incentive to to do it. Like, if they're gonna have a best of one ranked ladder, then why can't they just have this as a ranked ladder as well? And like, I think they're I think they're afraid of splitting the player base too much and of like possibly people abusing the ranked ladder if a format isn't played very much. It's fair, it's a lot easier to like stack wins and stuff against people inspiring with you to do so so i think that is a valid like concern i mean i guess but at the same time like the the speed of information these days when it comes to decks like we've seen arena have a huge influence on that so i think if there was something like that that was going on i i feel like it would kind of balance it's out itself out very quickly as more and more people heard oh this this uh this ladder is soft then more and more people would pile into it and it would kind of fix itself right but well, it's like if if almost nobody is playing it, though, then you can just go, okay, you and IQ at the same time or whatever, you know, and, and we intentionally get matched against one another and we just, like, pass wins back and forth. Like, that's what happens in a lot of online games right. uh, if there's if there's a low player base ladder. I don't know if it would be as exploitable in this, but I'm, that probably is a concern for them. And it just makes, like, a bad player base experience for everyone if, like, you if your preferred ranked to play is like uh historic or whatever but it takes you five minutes to find a match every time you're like you're gonna get pissed off that you spent money on these packs or whatever and you're you know on these old cards you crafted them or whatever and then you're gonna maybe quit arena so i'm sure they're thinking about stuff like that yeah that's fair um yeah but they should have had a better solution i agree i feel like it's yeah like it that that definitely is a concern and to be fair maybe you're making the decision having you know they presumably have uh, visuals on the numbers that matter is all to data, and maybe they realize yeah, we do have a risk of dividing our play race uh, if we introduce this format in. Um, but I guess it's almost because they're because this is almost ha- this announcement is happening. The reason to play this, to, like people are going to people are going to be in a new format is when it's announced. Uh, people get there's buzz around it. I guess we saw you know, unfortunately with you know, Frontier or Brawl, people were playing it initially, and then um, and then you know interest kind of waned down. Uh, so I guess not making it basically by doing this kind of half-assed job of throwing it together for that kind of honeymoon phase of a new format and if people aren't excited now about it they're not going to be excited about it in, in, in years in years so yeah, yeah the, sure. the format will get more interesting as time goes on but interest will also be waning in it because uh people will, will ignore it or or, or um, yeah, be less interested in it imagine if it's turned around and said oh by the way uh maybe it doesn't have to be on, maybe it doesn't have to be on ladder straight away maybe it can, maybe it can be like um like a constructed event uh where it's you know has a high ev kind of thing uh, it was like, yeah. By the way, uh, everything is illegal from Magic Origins, and like just the explosion of new decks, new ideas, and the insane. Uh, yeah, there is a problem of of heavy introduced new cards. Um, I mean, I, yeah, we, we we kind of went through a few different ideas before what they could do. Um, you know, and that, there there is ideas we just you know, pull out pull out the air, pull out pull out of our asses after you know like ten minutes of discussion. I'm sure people who are actually in this business uh, could come up with something better. Um, and it's just quite surprising that they haven't. And we have we have this instead. Yeah, like surely if they just put Amonkhet and Kaladesh in it, okay, I, I understand why they might not want to because those sets contain very powerful cards that might need to be banned, and like the format might be very degenerate. But I think it'd be more interesting if they added those sets back in, said here's a one-time fee that you can pay to have all the cards from Amonkhet and Kaladesh, like whatever it was, like a hundred euro, I don't know, and then we're just like, yeah, go go with our blessing enjoy your new format uh, and e- even if it wasn't uh competitive maybe like if they just started it out as well like w- one positive thing that they've mentioned here that i i think is good 
is that they're they're going to use historic in the rotating events. So like in the same place where we have now, we have Omniscience Draft, or we had the uh, the Gideon. What, what was it called? Like the the storyline of Ravnica with a different uh, different type of game every week. Um, they'll they'll be using historic in that slot. So that's probably what they're going to use to gauge like the the health of the format. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I suppose we're still getting addressed in it now because it's basically it's a standard but an extra set. Uh, they probably will gauge the health of the format and then see that it's uh, you know see that it's not good because no one's playing it. Uh, and then what did they do? Did they pull a plug at it? Yeah, uh, I I said at the start that the the whole thing just feels insulting because it was promised for like over a year that we would have something to do with our cards that are rotating out, and it just kind of feels like we actually just don't have anything to do with the cards that are rotating out because this format is just nothing. So it feels like we almost like we were lied to. And that just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, maybe if Historic, you know, improves in the future, then great. Or Amonkhet and Kaladesh come back. Or even more than Amonkhet and Kaladesh, I would love to see that. But at the moment, I'm just feeling like my cards are being thrown in the bin. Yep, I feel you on that one for sure. All right. On that on that sad note, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up for today. So, uh, you, what, what am I supposed to say at the end? Okay. You can contact us on Twitter. You can get us at at Skullcrack, that's uh, C-R-A-I-C for crack. You can email us, skullcrackpodcast at gmail.com. And that's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Not well yet. new edition of Lion vs. Wolf. Yeah. Uh, this was inspired by a I did yesterday in work and we had a very, very amusing time. Um, so we had a, a, a team building um, where we went into town. Uh, we met in the Oak Pub in, in, in Dublin City and uh, we took part. So there's about, there, was, uh, there was about 70 of us. No, more than that. There, there was about, I think about 80 people that were divided into uh, 14 groups, uh, whatever 14 times 4 is. Uh, we'll do some quick math. Uh, it doesn't matter too much, but uh, 56. 70, 70. Sorry, that's my five. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, what you said. Use calculator properly. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the first question was 14 minutes. Four. <laughs> yeah. Well, a, a few teams did have five people, so it was a little bit more than 56. But anyway, yeah, so we're divided into groups, and then uh, each group was given. So, kind of details of who organizes. Um, it was called the iPad City Challenge. Uh, I think many cities have this. But um, you know, four people on the teams. We were all kind of divided up to be with people we didn't know, uh, to try and build build friendships and build teams. Um, and there were yeah, everyone is everyone is given uh, the captain for each team. For each team of four was given an iPad, and uh, on the iPad on it had uh, locations around Dublin, and it basically just turned into basically it was like a competitive kind of um, scavenger hunt or treasure hunt uh, around the town on a lovely lovely sunny day. Um, so yeah, it was basically we're told, yeah, go ahead, get as many points as you can, come back in two hours, uh, and then we'll all be here and announce the winners. So basically, it was like it was it was very exciting that everybody it was spread out on the different bases. Uh, it was you could tell immediately that some people were taking it more seriously than others. Um, you know, with the with the there's like three other guys on my team, and uh, 
I just I said from the very start, I was like, yeah, lads, I'm I'm very competitive. No matter how stupid or cheesy this is going to be, uh, we are going to win this motherfucker. Uh, yes. And then, unfortunately, they they were excited by that. Uh, and uh, they because it's one of those things that you know it's it's, it's going to be lame. It's going to be dumb if if you see it that way. But if you just uh, with these kind of things, if you if you just go all in and take part, it's a uh, it's great. So um, around town, it's basically getting locations around town. Uh, at one point, so everyone was kind of all the different groups were all kind of bunched together first. Uh, kind of walking kind of walking down uh, Dame Street and up Georgia Street. Um, but then we realized that point we, we got everybody crossed a, a certain location on the map where like everyone got a bonus for it was like oh every every uh, every point you get now for the next three minutes is going to be doubled. And I noticed that nobody was like running, and I was like, oh, that's I think from a strategic point of view, uh, maybe the key to winning this is to maximize the points you get during these you know, small bonus periods because you know, looking around nobody else is. So yeah, so we ended up being the only people who were running. Uh, so we nice. started running then from and we're running around town for, for two hours uh, on a very warm and sunny day. Uh, so I guess yeah, at each location, uh, it kind of stopped at us to do challenges, challenges like take selfies or or record videos or dance or shit like that. Uh, we also had some questions, so uh, some questions here. I'm going to pass over to the lion and the wolf to um to to answer. So um, love it. Here I went first last week. So this week we're going to start off with wolf. Got to so one point we're rolling around Trinity College, kind of collecting views and doing stuff in Trinity College. One of the questions that came up there was. This Irish writer was a, was an alum of Trinity College and shares a surname with a very famous American singer songwriter. Um, this is for me. Sorry, this is for you. Yeah. So it's a, a writer who's an alumnus of Trinity College and shares a name with a, an American singer songwriter, um, Jonathan Swift. Yes. <laughs> I was going to give you a clue and say you're a big fan of the singer songwriter, but yeah, Jonathan Swift is correct. Uh, that is one for. Who's Jonathan um, Swift, the singer-songwriter? I don't know that. No, she, uh, Taylor Swift. Surname. Surname. Taylor Swift. Oh, surname. Right. Okay, gotcha. Jonathan, it's Jonathan Swift, who um, in his modest proposal said uh, the hater is going to hate, 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 hate. <laughs> God. It's going to play, play, play. Uh, that's one for both. <laughs> um, we got, so we got to the Gaby Theater. They were showing um, the Riverdance was on in the Gaby Theater. One of the questions yeah, there was... Uh, what year did Riverdance take over the world after being performed at the Point Theatre during the Eurovision Song Contest? But what year was that? Uh, 96. Uh, no, pass over to Wolf. Sorry, can you repeat the question? Uh, what year did Riverdance uh, take place at the Point Theatre during the Eurovision Song Contest? Hmm. Um, if it wasn't 1996, maybe it was earlier than that. I'm going to guess 1994. That is correct. Uh, yeah. I realised that. Wolf has an advantage because he can <laughs> ruin out one year uh, that Kieran had said. Yeah. But yeah, it was 1984. Wolf, uh, what military ranking did Countess Markovic have? Which military rank did Countess Markovic have? Um, I, hmm, I definitely heard this in documentaries and things before. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Lieutenant. Lieutenant is correct. Yeah. I'm going to say that as well. Well done. <laughs> Uh, three for Wolf, uh, so care to catch up. Uh, which instrument did, did we got to fiddle in the statue? Um, street, uh, which military instrument? No, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I, I jumbled two questions together. Which instrument did uh, fill in a play for Dinizzy? Bass guitar, that's correct. Uh, this one was particularly easy because we were signing up to fill in the statue. Uh, well, you read this question, um, as three one to Wolf. Uh, Wolf, in what year was Dublin, was Dublin Castle handed over to Michael Collins? Um. 1922. That's correct. Wow. Perfect. Well, I did. We to get that. It was, that was, that was, so we had this question where we outside on the castle and there actually is a, a plaque there that says it was handed over. Did you even need that? No. Nope. 
Yeah, I'll answer that all the way from all the way in Vietnam. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. Uh, I do love the Michael Collins movie. So you know, and I, I particularly love that scene where he's talking to the to the British lad in in Dublin Castle. So there you go. All right, one more for for Kieran. Kieran, which actor stars in Dunkirk, Inception, and The Dark Knight Rises? This is outside the IFI. This question came up. Uh, Dunkirk, Inception, and The Dark Knight Rises. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Was he in Dunkirk? <laughs> I was like, maybe. I well, don't know. Not, not the answer. No, so no, that's that's incorrect. Uh, Wolf. Um, I know who it is, but I've temporarily forgotten his name. Um, it's your man who plays Bane. Oh, it's Tom Hardy, is it? Tom Hardy. Yeah. Green. Green. Tom Hardy's incorrect. What? Would you like to guess again? He's in Dunkirk, and he's in... Okay, maybe he's in... Uh, yeah, he's in all three of those. Yeah. No, he's not in... in all three. He is in he Inception, is. he is. I think he is. So what happened here was, uh, we read this question, someone read a question out, uh, I said Tom Hardy, Murphy, and then we were like, oh shit, because Killian Murphy he was in The Dark Knight. He was in, Killian Murphy was in all three of movies as well. He was in The Dark Knight Rises. Um... Actually, is to answer this question, which one do you pick? And then because we're at the IFI, we're like, they should take Killian Murphy because he's Irish. Uh, I was like, yeah, but Tom Hardy played a bigger role in those three movies. If they got the question wrong, or if they got, if they accidentally had a question with an ambiguous answer, um, uh, you know, it would it would make sense for them to think of the more prominent actor in all three first. So we're kind of you know, debating this a little bit. We also had a time limit, so it was getting very very stressful. Uh, eventually, we set, eventually we settled on Killian Murphy, uh, which is wrong. Um, the answer was Pinky Blinders what? failed to read it properly. Uh, the question actually was uh, what, two actors in what TV series are in these three movies Inception, Dunkirk and Dark Knight Rises. Uh, but you didn't tell us that question. You experienced the same thing I felt during during the quiz and uh, this is why well, you should always read the questions properly. But you... well, we did read the questions properly. You, did, you didn't ask us that question. <laughs> you cheated us. <laughs> oh, but see, but what happened, someone read the questions out to us incorrectly. Um, which had everybody kind of arguing and stuff. So I put you through that same motion for the sake of this quiz. God damn. Well, you both lost. I that won. was my question. Finally. Up, but I couldn't possibly get it right because it was the wrong question. <laughs> I, 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 if, you, if you said one of those two, I would have given it to you. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Wolf was forehead. Brilliant. <laughs> I, I like how competitive you are over, over distances. <laughs> Not fair. Um, yeah, we, um, yeah, so at the end we got back. Uh, you know, after two hours of running around, it was pretty warm. We got back to the pub. Uh, everyone's having you know, a lovely weather and pint. And then um, the dude was uh, announcing the winners. Uh, and so when he's announcing the winners, he's, he called out some, me and other guy working, we were on two separate teams for being kind of very competitive. Um, one guy said, yeah, so then, competitive to, uh, at first. Uh, when the guy's announcing the winners, he read out the name of like another team, my, 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 my mate's team. Uh, he says, oh, where's team number three? And they all start cheering. And then uh, he says, well, team number three, you uh, started off well, but then you all went to the path and had cans because they could track everybody on the GPS. So <laughs> when people went off track and those went for points or didn't play, uh, it was all recorded. Uh, in the end, but in the end, we won. Um, nice. We answered all the questions right, except for that last one, which we did wrong. Uh, then I think something very amusing I just realized was that uh, one guy came over to me and was, uh, said, oh, well done, congratulations for winning. Uh, Said, oh, did, you, did you stop for a point or anything? And um, we said, oh no, we just we just we just parachute, we just, we just, we just uh, ran around town for all two hours. And then now this is Kieran, you mentioned option select as being you know a sore loser kind of thing to do in oh, gaming, yeah. which I think I found the equivalent of that. He was like, oh well, we were very short, we were only you know four points behind you, um, and uh, stopped for a point. So it's almost like he's saying, well, we nearly won, but we didn't win only because we stopped to have a point. 
uh, and he's kind of turned it into a well, you know, the only reason why you won it was because you tried more. Brilliant, I love he would have won. I was like, this is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> That's great. As I'm a bad advantage player, you know, sometimes you're confronted with sore users, and it's just a feeling I just love. I was just like, oh, no, 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 give yourself, tell me more, tell me more, Tony, tell me more about this. Great day all around. Uh, something I, I recommend for any business owners out there for uh, if you need your team to be built more. Very good. I love it. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. We'll be bathing in salt until next time. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.